Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. We are talking about God's sheep hearing his voice. So that would be me. Sheep are those who are submissive. Sheep are those who are surrendered uh, to the Father, surrendered to the Lord Jesus, to the work of the Holy Spirit. And those who do, according to John 10, 27, our, our foundation verse we started this all with, Clearly, Jesus said his sheep hear his voice, and he knows them. Isn't that interesting? He knows them. The reason he didn't say, uh, you know me, is because it's talking about intimacy. And when he knows you, you're walking in an intimate relationship with God. Of course, he knows everything about you, but I'm talking about walking close with you. And he said that those sheep follow him. They walk in the same things Jesus walked in. They walk in the same lifestyle, same aspects of what he did we can do. And that's all because we simply are doing what? Listening and following his voice. God has given me and you the ability to walk out this daily life in obedience to him. You have two choices all throughout your day. You're either walking in the light of your flesh and doing what your flesh wants, which is the old Adamic nature, which will never lead you into what God has, or you're walking in line with what the Spirit of God's directing you to do, in line with your spirit, amen? Which then means, as we're going to see again, you're going to walk in great life, Zoe, and the peace of God. So the truth about whether you're walking in true joy, true peace, true goodness, the power of God, the anointing of God, all these things God has available to you, is are you walking out every day what your flesh wants to do or your spirit wants to do? I've learned this as a pastor for 33. You know, you learn some stuff just being a pastor for a while. Uh, Dr. Summerall said it. He said, I watch people in my church who never open a Bible, never look at Scripture. I'm not looking around, I'm not thinking of it, but just telling you the truth. And because of that, they really never got much. But people that were hungry wanted more. What does the Bible say in Proverbs chapter 4? Keep that word before your eyes. And a lot of times people get to sit around just thinking they know it all, I guess, or don't really care what they're hearing about. But I'll guarantee you what, looking at it helps you to receive it, helps you to get it. God's going to feed those of you that are hungry and hearing. <clears throat> the rest, I guess, should just go out the way you came in. But I would want to get everything God has for me. How about you? Yes. Psalm 25, verse 12. Psalm 25, verse 12. <clears throat> Every one of my spiritual dads that I've ever been around, when they're sitting under their spiritual fathers, are feasting on the Word of God. They learn to get their eyes and focus on the heart of the things of God and grab a hold of them. Psalm 25 verse 12 says, Who is the man that fears the Lord? Good question. Man here, of course, doesn't mean male, just refers to humans. Who, Who here fears the Lord, I wonder? Let's find out. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Watch this. Him shall he, the him there is the one that fears the Lord. Him shall he, the Lord, teach in the way he chooses. That'd be his way. How many want God to teach you in the way that he wants you to go? Guess we better learn what it means to fear the Lord. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. 13. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. 
Wow, I got one glory in the back from the camera lady, Miss Tamara. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to put a, 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 a reserve sign up here for Tamara Hines to sit right on the front row. I hear her more than anybody in the, in the service. And she's sitting in the back. He himself shall dwell in what? Prosperity. Who shall? Who shall? Now, two things. The one who fears the Lord and is allowing God to teach the, him, therefore, his ways. He him shall, shall dwell in prosperity. What if I don't fear the Lord and follow his ways? You won't dwell in the kind of prosperity God has for you. Brother Hagin had a visitation from the Lord of the eight visitations he had one time. He was sitting in a room. He heard feet walk in the door. He looked up. It was Jesus. Jesus came over, sat in a chair right next to him, began to teach him for the next hour about the prophet's ministry. In the midst of that, he said, I'm also going to teach you how I'm going to lead you from now on. This was the last visitation he had of the Lord. He said, I'm never going to appear to you like this again. It's the last time you'll see me like this. He said, I'm going to lead you the way I lead all my church, all of my children. I'm going to lead you to the inward witness. And if you'll listen and learn to follow me, I'll make you rich. Make you rich. Now, a lot of people say, like what? Just massive, multi-millionaire, billionaire? He said, you know, I don't have millions in the bank, but I've probably had millions come through my hand over the years. I got every need met. I got more than enough. At that time in his life, and probably did till he died, he said, I give more to Rhema Bible Church than any other person in the church. Not bragging. Just, I'm just trying to testify God did exactly what he said he would do. Did exactly what he said. How many think God lies? How many think God tells the truth? Nobody's excited about these verses but me then. I think I'll read it again. Verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. Watch this. And his descendants shall inherit the earth. This will, get, this will get trickled down into your kids and into other family members. Because they'll learn to walk in the same ways that you learn to walk in. Wait a minute, he's not done. You ready? That's three of you. Verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Now if God shows you... His covenant, you know what that means? You're going to walk in your covenant rights. You're going to walk in what you have available to you as a covenant child of God. You can't walk in your covenant just because you're in it. You can't walk in your covenant just because you're in it. You'll walk in it because you'll see it. You'll walk in it because he'll show it to you. He'll show you what it is and how to walk in it in light of what he leads you to do. It's like having a natural inheritance. If I don't know I have it, I can't walk in it. A lot of Christians really don't know what they have. If they did, they'd get excited about coming to church. They'd get excited about reading their Bible every day. They'd get excited about walking with God every day because they know they're walking with a covenant God who's made a covenant with them. And they know that every day as they get closer and walk with their God, guess what he does? He keeps showing them more of the covenant. That'd make you run to him, not run from him. You listening? That'd make you want to get closer to him, not farther away from him. And anything that has to do with God in this life that can get me closer to God, I'm running after it, man. Are you still here? I think I'm going to read them one more time. Who is the man that fears the Lord? It is him that, sh- that God shall teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. 
What, what do you mean the secret? The things that are hidden to others, God will reveal to you. The things that, this is the facts, folks. If you are a, a lukewarm, truly not sincerely, sin, uh, sincerely on fire, hot for God, in love with Jesus, chasing after, chasing after him every day, Christian, there's going to be so many things you're going to miss out on that God wants to reveal to you. He can't reveal them because you're not chasing after him to find out. He can't reveal them because the person that fears the Lord and chases after him, guess what they're going to be? Are you ready? You ready? They're going to be spiritual. How's God going to reveal these things? Through his spirit to your spirit. But guess what? You can't. You ready? You ready? You might want to write it down. You can't live as a carnal Christian and walk in what you have as a covenant child of God. You cannot live as a carnal Christian and walk in what you have as a covenant child of God. You can't walk in peace. You can't walk in joy. The determination of what you're walking in, relationship to what's flowing out of you every day, shows whether or not you truly are living the life of a carnal Christian or a spiritual Christian. If you're living the life of a carnal Christian, you're not going to walk in your covenant rights. You want to know why? They don't come through your carnal person. You don't get revelation of them through your carnal person. You don't, get, you don't get revelation with them through your brain. You don't get revelation of them with your eyes. You don't give, get revelation with them with just your natural ears. Right? Eye has not seen. Come on, we just read it last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Ear has not heard, natural ear. The things that God, come on, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What's that part of? Covenant. Covenant. But how, do, how did he reveal them to us? By his spirit. What if I'm carnal? You're never going to know. You're never going to know because all you're ever going to hear is what your carnal nature can reveal to you. You're never going to hear what your spirit's trying to say. You're never going to hear what the spirit of God's trying to reveal to you. I have a, I have a very serious question for everybody in this room and everybody streaming tonight. Are you going to live the rest of your life as a carnal believer, as a spiritual? Don't answer. Are you going to live the rest of your life as a carnal believer or as a spiritual believer? You're the only one that's going to determine that. You're the only one. So you can just kind of keep bumping through life and whatever happens, happens, and hopefully everything will go good. Or you can say, you know what? I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a powerful purpose. God wants to use me supernaturally. God wants to do supernatural things through me. He's not going to do that through you living carnal. You're not even going to be aware he's trying. Come on, somebody. I said, come on. Who, uh, so, if I mean, you ought to have the whole, uh, all three of these verses highlighted. But here's what you ought to underline. Who is the man that fears the Lord? What should you underline? I should underline that I should be one that fears the Lord. If you fear the Lord, God's going to teach you his ways. You're going to dwell in prosperity. Your descendants can even obviously walk in the inheritance that God has available. Verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those. You ought to underline it again. Who what? Fear him. What's the key here? Question, do you fear the Lord? Let's find out. Let's find out. Let me give you the Hebrew definition from the Hebrew original language of the word fear here on what it actually means to fear the Lord. You ready? Here we go. I'll read it several times. Reverence whereby. This is the definition for fear. What's the fear of the Lord? Reverence whereby an individual recognizes the power and position of the person revered. This is just the first part of it. What is the fear of the Lord? It is reverence whereby an individual, that would be you, that would be me, recognizes. Say recognizes. They recognize the power and position 
of the person that's revered. If you walk in a fear of the Lord, you are walking in a reverence for God whereby you as an individual recognize both the power and position of our God whom you revere. Last part of the definition. And therefore, guess what? And they render proper respect, which implies submission. And they render proper respect, which implies submission. Okay? I'm going to read it all again. You want to hear it one more time? Or are you done with me? Yes. You want to hear it? Yes. Kathy does. Reverence, this is the word fear. What does it mean to fear the Lord? What's all the results of fearing the Lord there? God's going to lead me. Come on, God's going to lead me. I am going to be led by God. I'm going to prosper in every way. I am going to know secret things that God's going to reveal to me, and he's going to show me my covenant. You're going to live a depressed, frustrated life with all that going on? What's the problem why a lot of people aren't walking in that? They don't fear the Lord. They don't fear the Lord. I'm going to read it again. Fear of the Lord means a reverence whereby an individual recognizes the power and position of a person revered and renders proper respect, which implies submission. So first of all, what do they do? They recognize the power and the position of the one revered. Let me help you. There's no more more powerful, no higher in your life. There should be nobody higher in your life than God. You should not be putting yourself above God. If you truly fear God, you put him above everything else in your life. And when you do, you also render proper respect by doing what? Submitting to him. You're not really truly walking in a fear of God without submitting to him. If you truly reverence God, you not only recognize his power and position, but in doing so, you know what that tells you? I'm submitting to him. I'm submitting to this great God of mine. So what's the problem, Pastor, why Christians do not fear God? I'm going to tell you something up front, and we're going to go over it tonight as we go back here in just a moment to Romans. You ready? Your heart is set on, excuse me, let me back up, let me back up, let me back up. Your heart desires what your mind is set on. Your heart desires what your mind is set on. Heart talking about the heart of you as an individual, what you chase after. Your heart desires what your mind is set on. Question, what's your mind set on? Because if your mind isn't set on spiritual things, let me tell you what you're not going to walk in, a reverence for God. What determines if I walk in a reverence for God? What's your mind set on? You will not, as we're going to see again tonight, you will not walk in the pathway God has for you with your mind set on the things of the flesh. Impossible. Impossible. Can't do it. You won't walk in a reverence for God with your mind set on things of the flesh. Too many Christians are still having their mind set on the things of the flesh. Well, I'm tired. I'm wore out. I'm this, I'm that. I'm going to tell you why. Because your mind's set on the wrong thing. If you're set on the flesh, let me help you. Can I answer? Can I tell you what you're going to be if your mind's set on the flesh? Tired, wore out, just, just drained all the time. You know, you're going to see in a minute in a, verse, a set of verses, God didn't just put the Holy Spirit in you to direct you. He put the Holy Spirit in you to quicken your mortal body. You want to know why your mortal body's not quickened? You're carnal-minded. If your mortal body's not quickened, I got a word for you, you're carnal-minded. Why did Sumrall walk in such a power even in his late 80s? Hagen, why did these guys, why were they just unstoppable? Why were they? Holy Spirit was quickening their mortal body. Why? Because they were walking in a power that he gave them. Focused on the things of the Spirit. Thank you for all your men's about that. 
See, if you and I don't learn to fear the Lord, we are not going to do what? Be led of God. He's not going to teach us in his way. We're going to miss out. He wants to. Yes, he does. But he can't. Why? Because he does it through the Spirit, not through your flesh. If you fear the Lord, you're not focused on carnal things. You're focused on spiritual things. And those who fear the Lord, he's going to teach in his way. You still with me? They're going to prosper. Come on, man. They're going to dwell in prosperity. They're not going to visit it. They're going to dwell in prosperity. Their descendants will inherit the earth. The seek of the Lord will be with them, and he's going to show them their covenant. And if you can't get excited about that, I don't know what else to do to appreciate that to get you excited. Go to Romans 8. So back where we left off on on Sunday night. You know, the truth is, God so desires for you to walk in the light of what you are as a spirit being, but he is having the most difficult time getting people to do that because they just are so easily carnally affected by the things around them and continue to focus on the things of the flesh. Now, let me help you. We're going to talk tonight, all night tonight, we're going to talk about what your mind's set on. And I'm going to help you right now. It ain't easy to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You know what your literal mind will default to very easily? Carnal things. Carnal things. Why? Because of the fallen nature. Because of your body. Because of your soul having to be renewed. So, we can make a choice, renew our mind, get our mind set on the right thing, walk in all that we just read about, and walk in the path God has for us, or we can just be, in essence, what the Bible really calls laziness. That's why the Bible says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Right before that, it says, do not become sluggish. Do not become spiritually lazy. Back to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. I know you're really excited about tonight's message, and I'm excited to preach it to you. So glad you're here. Verse 1. There is therefore. We started touching on these verses. We didn't get real far. We got down to about verse 8 last time. Notice this. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to what? Tell me. The flesh, but according to what? Now, if you took time to read Romans 7 before this, this is where Paul reveals this constant battle was going on. Flesh against spirit, spirit against flesh. And at the end of chapter 7, he's like, my gosh, man. Remember what he's saying? Things I don't want to do, I do. Things I want to do, I don't do. Well, who's going to deliver me from this? Well, thank you, Lord. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Say, he already did it. So for me to walk in it, what do I got to do? Chapter 8 is all about walking in it. How do I walk in this deliverance from the flesh? You have to, again, as you're going to see all through this first part of this chapter, you've got to recognize he's dealing with two things, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. You're going to focus on one or the other, and the one you focus on will determine how you live your life. So the very first thing he starts off with, talking about coming out of the very fact in verse 25, I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord that he was what? Delivered from this body of death. And so therefore with my mind, with my mind, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So if I set my mind on the things of the spirit, I will serve God. If I set my mind on the things of the flesh, guess what I'm going to do? Fall into sin. I'm going to miss the mark. I'm not going to walk in what God has for me. And the first thing he tells you in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 Coming right out of that very statement, there is therefore now no condemnation, is the devil, number one, tries to get Christians all the time to think because things aren't going well with them, because things aren't happening the way they want them to, because things don't turn out the way they want them to, some reason God must be mad at me. God must be punishing me. 
But see, condemnation refers to the fact of a type of punishment as a result of sin. No. See, the only reason that you would continue to feel like God's punishing you is because you're not walking according to the Spirit. You're walking according to the flesh. But if you walk according to the Spirit, guess what you know? If you see yourself as a spirit being, guess what you know? I am not in any way being punished by God. Jesus took my punishment. See, the word condemnation ain't what the normal Christian today thinks. So you're condemning me. It's not what it means. It means to actually judge one guilty with a, a, a result of punishment to come. Guess what? As a believer, that ain't happening for you. Verse 2. Notice the constant separation here between flesh and spirit. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? The word law here is not referring to the commandments. The word law here, you need to make a note so you don't forget in verse 2, is the word rule. Something that has rule or power over you. What had rule or power over you before you were born again? Sin and death. But the moment you got born again, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit came to live within you. And this new law of the spirit of life, rule of the spirit of life that is now in you, can now rule your life. You now have the ability no longer to be under the rule of sin and death. You now have the ability to walk under the rule of the spirit of life. You listening? Verse 3, for what the law, that's the Ten Commandments. So that's the Ten Commandments. What the Ten Commandments could not do in that it was weak to the flesh. In other words, God didn't give us Ten Commandments and say, if you live by those, you'll be right with me. No, wasn't possible. So what the law could not accomplish or do in the fact that it was weak to the flesh, because the flesh obviously is sinful, God did by doing what? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. What did God do? What did God do? Tell me out loud like you're all here reading the same verse. What did God do? Tell me out loud right there in the last part of the verse. What did God do? He condemned sin in the flesh. Say that. What does that mean? What does that mean? So the word condemn here is the same as as verse 1. And that means he took our punishment. Therefore, he dealt with sin. He dealt with it. He dealt with the righteous requirement by taking our punishment. You should be happy about that. So verse 3 is saying that the law, the Ten Commandments, could not make anybody right with God. And because of that, Jesus had to come and take our punishment so we could be made right with God. Why? Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law, Ten Commandments, would be fulfilled also in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to what? The Spirit. The Spirit. Now that means even though you're born again and you're freed from this law of sin and death, you don't have to live up to the Ten Commandments to walk in the liberty of the Spirit of life. He's saying that you and I, now born again, have the ability, since this righteous requirement has been fulfilled, we now have the ability to walk in this new life, but not according to the flesh. We do so according to what? The Spirit. So how do we now walk in this very power of this life in the Spirit? By being led by your Spirit. By getting your mind set on the things of the Spirit. Get your mind set on the things of the Spirit, and guess what rule you're going to come under? The Spirit of life. (laughs) you're going to come under the spirit of Zoe. Verse 5, 
For those who live according to the flesh. The, the phrase according to there is the phrase they identify with. They identify with. Those who identify with the flesh, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. What do you identify with? See, what do you identify with? If you identify with the flesh, I'll tell you how you know whether you identify with the flesh or not. Are you mad? Are you frustrated? Are you upset? Do things easily get to you? Do things bother you all the time? Do you get all caught up with what's going on in the world? Do you lose your peace? Do you lose your joy? Do you have to be pumped up all the time? Do you have to have a cheerleader to get you excited about God? Are you always looking at the downside of things? Are you mad at everybody? Can people frustrate you easily? If that's true... Guess what you're living according to? The flesh. Although you've been freed from it, you're still being affected by it. Why, Pastor? Because you don't have your mind set on the right thing. You still with me? Those who live according to the flesh, who what? Identify with the old Adamic fallen nature. Why do they do so? Why would I continue to identify with an old nature that I no longer have in my spirit? Why would I do that? Because my mind is still set on the old Adamic fleshly nature. That's the only reason. So as an example, for I, I've seen this for years and years and years as a pastor. You hear what people say about themselves. I hear people say stuff all the time contrary to what the Bible says they are. Why would they do that? If you say, I'm, I'm defeated, I'm sick, I'm poor, I'm this, I'm all the things that relate to the old fallen Adamic nature. If you say that, why do you say that? Because you identify with it. You identify with poor. You identify with sick. You identify with defeat. You identify with fear. You identify with stress. All that comes from the fleshly nature. Why would I identify with something that I'm no longer a part of as a spirit being? Because that's what your mind's set on. You will identify with what your mind is set on. You can be born again, a child of God, freed from all this stuff, and keep setting your mind on fleshly things, and you will keep identifying with the old, fallen fleshly nature and guess what you want here direction from God why because it comes to your spirit not your flesh you still with me anybody here tonight so verse 5 those who identify with their old nature do what set their minds on the old nature you should be asking yourself by looking at your life every day to say what do I identify with what do I identify with? If you're not sure, you got a cell phone today, turn the thing on and just let it record you all day long. See what you say. See how you react to situations. Come on, somebody. Because if you continue to identify with the old fleshly nature, how are you going to act? Like the old fleshly nature. Not like a new, recreated, born-again child of the living God who's seated at the right hand of Jesus. Hallelujah. Far above. See, why do most people don't get excited about sermons? I know why. They're carnally focused. I guarantee you, man, we start talking about carnal things that excite people. They get excited going on vacation, eating certain foods, doing this kind of thing, doing that kind of, all in the natural, nothing spiritual, just all that. Oh, they get excited when you start talking about that. But they don't get excited about spiritual things. Hmm. 
Why would you not get excited about spiritual things that are far greater? Jesus, I'm just going to preach to me tonight, okay? Here, just preach, come on, pastor, preach some more to me. Praise the Lord. You're exactly right. I need to hear some more of this. So to be carnally minded, watch this, this is powerful. To be carnally minded or identifying with the flesh is because I got my mind set on what? Things of the flesh. Verse 5, last part. But those who live according to what? Tell me. Tell me out loud, please. Those who live according to the Spirit, they have their minds set on what? So what are we talking about living according to the Spirit? The law, the rule of the Spirit of life. I'm under the rule of the Spirit of life. If that's true, I'm there because I've done what? What is it that's going to bring me under the rule of the Spirit of life that I now have in me? What's going to bring me under that? What I set my mind on. How many of you want to be led by God? How many of you want to know every decision to make is in line with His plan? You ain't going to do it carnally focused. If you identify with the old carnal nature, guess what your decisions are going to be made off? The carnal nature. What you see, what you hear. Does it look good? Is it cheap enough? Uh, I need the better deal. Let me help you guys. Buying the better deal that you think is always the, the, the cheaper way to go and it's what you want doesn't mean it's God. You're still here. God don't look at price. He looks at whether you need it or not. He looks at whether it's what you should have or not. There's some things God knows you shouldn't buy. <laughs> That's a popular there statement. There's some things God knows you shouldn't buy. Why? Because he knows they'll become a God to you. Do you think God wants you to buy things that's going to become a God to you? No. Does that mean we can't have anything? No. As long as it don't have us. In that same last visitation, the Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, I am not opposed to my children being rich. Not at all. I'm opposed to them being covetous. Because once they become covetous, they become carnal. I've never been opposed to my kids being rich. Never. You kidding me? He paves uh, heaven with streets of gold. You think he's opposed to you being rich? In the sense of having all that you need and more than enough? Not at all. What's he opposed to? Covetousness. You still here? Verse 6. You still with me? For to be carnally minded is death. Underline it. Well, I want to underline that. You should. You should remind yourself all the time. If I'm carnally minded, what's the result? Death. But to be spiritually minded, you underline that as well as what? Life and peace. See, if you did nothing else tonight, just underline, circle, and highlight verse 6 and just meditate on that for about a month. If I'm carnally minded, what's going to be the result? Death. If I'm spiritually minded, what will be the result? Life and peace. Which do you want, church? Which do you want? Really? Do you really want it? Because I will promise you if you do, guess what you're going to have to do? Deal with your mind. You have to deal with what you set your mind on. So carnal mind means I'm identifying once again with the old fleshly nature. And if I am, I'm focused on that. I'm going to talk like a fleshly carnal human. Not a born again, raised up far above all the powers of darkness, seated with Jesus, covenant child of God, redeemed of the Lord, man or woman of God. Most Christians don't talk redeemed. No, most, most Christians talk uh, in relationship to what they deal with in a daily life. They, most that I'm around, not all my church family, just some other Christians, most Christians talk in the relationship to defeat. To all the problems that's going on, all the stuff in the world, things. Well, I don't see the disciples doing that. 
You know why? Because they weren't carnally minded. So carnally minded is what? Death. What is it? Death. It's death. What's the word death mean? So the death always, context of the word death, always has within it the meaning of separation. But you got to define what's it separating from. That doesn't always mean separation from God. Death can mean different things. Even in the natural, there's natural death. That don't mean you're going to be separated from God. To be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. So death is always a reference to some type of separation. You just got to define what's it separating from. In this, in this case, those who are carnally minded will experience death. What's the opposite? Read again. Those who are spiritually minded will experience what? Life and peace. It's the opposite of death. So if I'm carnally minded, what am I going to be separated from? Life and peace. It's that simple. So again, if you got nothing else tonight, get verse 6. If I'm carnally minded, guess what I'm not walking in? Life and peace. And I told, I told you this on Sunday night. We showed it to you in the book of Philippians. It's a peace that passes all understanding. All that goes on in the natural. Doesn't matter, man. This peace goes way beyond any of that. And it guards your heart and it guards your mind. None of that stuff, in other words, affects you. It's all what you focused on. So as you walk through this life, the more you're lacking life, zoe is the word there, the God kind, and peace, guess what that tells you? My mind is still on the wrong things. Ding, 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 ding. I wish we had, I wish God made us with stupid lights. <laughs> Little buzzers, you know, that were just posted around us, you know, somewhere that would light up and flash at us, you know. You know, lacking peace, little buzzer going, eh, eh, eh. oh, that's right, I'm not spiritually focused right now. I'm currently focused. How do you stop that? Yes. Get that light off. Right. I get a better amen. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, folks, this is powerful. And the truth is, here's the other sad part. If I'm not walking in life and peace, I'm walking in death. Zoe, life includes the path God's already chosen for me to walk on. What am I not walking on? That path. I'm walking on that path. Now, this is powerful because it really brings out the fullness of this verse 7 here. Watch this. You ready for this? I said, you ready for this? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Wow. Why would I want my mind set on the old carnal nature? It is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So the law of God would both be his rule. It would also include the Ten Commandments. But think of it this way. It's really simple. Remember what Galatians 5 said? Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the desires of the... And if you don't, guess what you'll never violate? You'll never violate the law. All I got to do is walk in the Spirit. He's saying almost the same thing right here. He's saying that if you and I truly do not get ruled by the carnal nature, the carnal flesh, then guess what we will do? We will walk under this rule of God's context law relating to what we do in our life and it's very clear in doing so we'll walk out what God has for life verse 7 the carnal mind is enmity against God he who therefore is carnal minded carnal focused with their mind will not be subject to this law of God rule of God nor indeed can be in other words you want to know what the last part of that verse says not possible not possible. If you're carnal minded, guess what you're not going to walk in? The path God has for you. Not 
possible. Why are so many Christians not walking in the path God has for them? Carnal-minded. Can I walk carnal-minded, Pastor, and walk in what God has for me? He just said, not possible. Not possible. Why is it not possible for me, for you? Why is it not possible for us to walk with a carnal focus in life and walk out the plan God has for us? Why is that not possible? Why is it not possible? Come on, help me. I see how much I've taught you so far in this series. Why is it not possible? If I'm currently focused on walking in the carnal nature, why is it not possible for me to walk in the path God has for me? Because he reveals those things through my spirit, not my flesh. Did anybody say that? Just didn't hear you. If you are walking ruled by your carnal fleshly nature, you will never walk in the path of God. Why? He doesn't lead you to your carnal nature. He leads you to your spirit man. I cannot be focused as a believer on the old carnal ways, carnal nature, carnal thinking, carnal living, and walk in the path of God. This verse in the voice translation brings out Powerful, powerful verse 7. It brings out what was just said there. Listen to this from uh, Romans 8, 7. You ready? You see a mind focused on the flesh is declaring war against God. What did it say? The mind that's carnal is enmity. You know what that means? It's in a battle against God. This is a powerful, powerful, truthful translation. That, that who is mind is focused on the flesh, you see a mind focused on the flesh, is declaring war against God. It defies the authority of God's law. Excuse me? It defies the authority of God's law. What did we just read back there in Psalm 25? Let me help you. If you walk in the fear of the Lord, you do not defy God's authority. You're submitted to it. This is why I told you. This is why I showed that verse 20, Psalm 25. This is why I told you. To walk in the fear of the Lord has everything to do with what your mind's set on. If your mind's set on the things of the flesh, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to walk in the fear of the Lord. You're not going to reverence Him, acknowledge His power and authority, and submit to Him. You know what you're going to do? What you want to do. What your flesh wants to do. Guess what you're going to miss out on? He's not going to lead you. You're not going to see all of your covenant. You're not going to prosper in all the ways God wants you to prosper. You know, some people say, well, I'm doing good. I got lots of money. Let me help you. God's way of prosperity comes with no form of any type of grief or sorrow with it. There's rich, rich people today who don't know God, who have lots of money. But let me help you. There's some of the most miserable people on the planet. Well, I'd sure like to try it, Pastor. I'm going to tell you right now, no, you wouldn't. Because the truth is, if you continue to live that way, the devil's going to lead you to hell. Again, you see a mind focused on the flesh is declaring war against God. It defies the authority of God's law. What does? A mind focused on the flesh. It defies the authority of God's law, God's rule. You ready for this? And is incapable of following his path. That's the last part of that verse. Incapable of following his path. If your mind is set on carnal things, you are incapable of following God's path. Why? Tell me again. Why? Come on. It's not a trick question. Because the only way he's going to lead you is by your spirit, not your flesh. If I'm carnally focused, 
It is not possible. It, I am incapable of following God's path for my life by being focused on the flesh because he ain't going to lead me by my flesh. Well, I tried it, bless God. It worked for me. I believe God to show me things in the natural, and I actually had some things turn out pretty good. You really think that was God leading you? Really? Contrary to how he says he leads you? Oh, the devil is so good. Let, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Anything that you are being led by that relates to your fleshly man, let me help you. Let me tell you the person that's on the end of that line with the bait. It ain't God. It's Satan. He tempts you with your flesh. Go read the book of James. He tempts you with your own desires. That's not desires of the inner man, the spirit man. That's the desires of your flesh. So how does Satan lead you down his pathway? By the way, he wants to lead you. Now, I had somebody ask this. This was a good question. Do you think, Pastor, therefore Satan has a pathway for me to walk on? He ain't that smart. I said, he ain't that smart. He don't have a pre-planned pathway for you to walk on. He has one option, only one thing. I'm pulling you away from God. I don't care how I do it. He has no specific pathway. He's just going to do everything he can to pull you away from God. God has a specific intention for your life. The devil only has one plan. Steal, kill, and destroy. He don't care how he does it. He'll take advantage of any opportunity of the flesh to do that. If I am in any way making decisions, doing things, being led by my flesh, it doesn't mean any decisions I've already made could be totally out of the will of God. I don't learn to follow that, though. If I learn to follow my flesh, Satan can mislead me. Now, I did not say you don't do anything your flesh wants to do. Your flesh gets hungry, you probably eat. But you know what? He can also mislead you even in the way you eat sometimes. Seriously. Have you ever taken time to listen to your spirit and say, okay, God, should I be eating all of this stuff at the table? Or maybe I should make a little better choice here. See, I know you guys don't like me to mess with your food. Let, let me change plans here. Because Satan's going to still kill and destroy any way he can. Here's the thing about Satan, and, I, and I'm telling you, I hate to give him any, any credit, but here's the thing about Satan. You know what he is? He's patient. You know what else he is? He's persistent. And he don't give up. He don't care how long it takes. If he can't get you today, next month, next, next year, he don't care. He's going to keep trying to do whatever he can to keep leading you down a wrong pathway that he knows if he can get you going that direction slowly, little by little. See, I'm telling you, man, we didn't do it because they're demonic. Don't, don't misunderstand me. We got rid of overhead projectors a long time ago. When all these bigger TVs came out, which you could buy cheaper, I guarantee it's a whole lot better deal for what you're showing up on the screen. But remember overhead projectors before all that came along? Overhead projectors are so funny because we would actually eventually have one go out, right? The bulb. The bulb goes out. So you got to go buy another bulb. So you put the new bulb in. You know what happened every time we plugged a new bulb in one? Wow, I forgot it was that bright. <laughs> I didn't realize we've been looking at a dim screen all this time. What a dim wit I have been to look at that and think that that's really normal. And we've been looking at this dim. But you know what? It's so subtle how it slowly gets dimmer. And that's like the devil, man. He just doesn't care how long it takes as long as he can keep diminishing you a little by little by little by little away from the things of the Spirit and God. Guess what? Eventually your light's going to go bloop. Come on, somebody. Tell somebody next to you, he's been preaching better than you've been amen and all night long. <coughs> amen. I said amen, huh? 
So I, I said up front, overhead, I said up front, overhead projectors are not demonic. I said that. I'm using them as an example to say that's how Satan works. So I'll repeat it like for the third time. I'm saying overhead projectors are not demonic. I'm using that as an example that he will slowly lead you down a pathway to dim your light. Pull you away from God. How's he going to do that, church? Get you doing what? Focused on the flesh. Are you still here? Oh, uh, that's three of you. Notice again, verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It, is, it declares war against God. It's not subject to the law of God. It, it is not what? It will defy the authority of God, and nor indeed can be. It's incapable of following his path. How many want to follow the path to God? Boy, you better not live a carnal-minded life. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot do what? Pretty obvious. What pleases God? Faith does. Hebrews 11, 4. Let's be a little more definitive. So I want to please God. How about you? Please ain't like, aren't you pleased with me because I did so good? No, this is talking about the difference between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. You know what makes God happy? Watching you walk in your inheritance. I've told you this many times about this verse. Many times. What pleases God? Seeing you healed. What pleases God? Watching you defeat the devil every time he comes after you. What pleases God? Seeing all hell break loose against you, and yet here you are walking in perfect peace, perfect joy, not affected by it at all, walking in the truth, speaking the word of God, living up to your very potential as a child of God. That pleases the Father. I'll tell you what pleases the Father, seeing you walk in the fullness of your inheritance. You know what breaks his heart? Watching you walk in anything less than. But he can't determine whether you do that or not. You do. You do. Your inheritance comes out of the spirit realm. If you're carnally focused, you're going to miss out. And that don't please God. I said, that don't please God. Timer, you need to shut up. That had not been 45 minutes. You, you got to understand this. It does not please God to walk in the flesh because you don't walk in what he has for your life. You don't walk in what he has for your life. It'll change things in the flesh. It'll change your body. It'll change your finances. Come on. It'll change your circumstances. I'm going to get any good amens before I finish this sermon tonight or I'm going to go for another hour. Come on, think about it. If you walk in the things of the Spirit, it pleases God because you're going to be led by Him. You're going to walk down the path He chose for you. You're going to walk in your inheritance. It breaks His heart to see His children being taken advantage of by an enemy that has been stripped of His power and authority. The only power Satan has is seduction and deception. He has no power over you. I said he has no power over you. He has to seduce you or he has to deceive you. If you let him deceive you, if you let him seduce you, then he can still do things in your life harmful and lead you down a wrong pathway. But he has no power. He's been stripped of that power. Jesus got the keys back, ladies and gentlemen. I said Jesus got the keys back. Verse 8 again, those who are in the flesh cannot do what? Please God. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. Well, there you go, pastor. I don't even have to worry about it because I'm not in the flesh. If I'm born again, I'm already in the spirit. That's not what that verse says. That would go contrary to everything else he just said. The Greek language here says you are now able, 
excuse me, you are now enabled to walk in newness of life by the Spirit. You are now enabled to walk in newness of life by the Spirit. When he says here, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, it means because you're now born again, guess what you don't have to live under anymore? The rule of the flesh. But it's still your choice. Why did he say all before that, set your mind on the things of the flesh? You'll live carnal. Set your mind, death, separation from the life and peace of God. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit, life and peace. Why would he sell that and now say, but by the way, if you're born again, you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. It's not what it says. The Greek language says, now that you're born again, you don't have to live under the flesh's rule anymore. You've been enabled by the Spirit to live a whole new life. But what's going to determine that? What are you focused on? What are you focused on? Come on, i got to get to these other verses, just at least read them, and then we'll pick them back up Sunday. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, is he? Shout it at me one time. The body is dead because of sin. Guess what, folks? Your body is dead. That's why you're going to get a new body. You listening? But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. What's he doing again? Stop following your body. Stop following your fleshly nature. That leads to death. You see this, he's doing this over and over and over again. Flesh, spirit. Flesh, spirit. Death, life. Dead, alive. God's choice, your choice. If Christ is in you, yeah, the body's dead because of sin. That's why you shouldn't follow it. I said, that's why you shouldn't follow it. But the Spirit is life because of what? Right standing with God, righteousness. In other words, if you have right standing with God, guess what you don't have to be ruled by? That dead old fleshly body of yours. Guess what you can be ruled by? The new Spirit of God that's in you. 11, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, who would that be? The Holy Spirit, thank you, Kathy. If he dwells in you, does he? he does. Now, that don't sound like a positive affirmation. He if he dwells in you, does he? he does. Are you sure? Yes. Shout it at me. Yes. Watch this. He who raised Christ from the dead, who was that? Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. He who raised Christ from the dead will also do what? Tell me. Tell me out loud. Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You don't have to put up with sickness and disease. You don't have to put up with what has affected your body through death. The Holy Spirit lives in you to do what? Quicken, give life, zoe, to your mortal body. To what? Not your resurrected body, your mortal body. Can I get a better amen? Because if he didn't, guess what's going to rule your body then? Sickness, disease, pain, suffering. Then why did Jesus bear stripes on his body? You're still here. Verse 11. If the Spirit again who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give Zoe life to your mortal body. Well, I wish he'd do that for me. Get your mind focused on the things of the Spirit and you'll walk in revelation of the things of the Spirit. And when you do, guess what will happen? You'll become God inside conscious, God inside minded. And as you do, guess where that Zoe life flows out of? The Holy Spirit into where? Your spirit through your mind of understanding and into your body. It's not automatic. If you're carnally minded, you're not going to walk in it. Because you're blockading it. You're stopping it from flowing into your body. 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We owe a debt. Don't we owe a debt? 
but not to our flesh. Why does he say not to the flesh? Stop being flesh ruled. You owe it nothing. You owe it nothing. In the days of Jesus, they understood this clearly. Because if somebody was bought as a slave, right? They owed a debt, therefore, to that person that bought them legally and therefore had to serve them. But guess what? You don't owe a debt to your flesh. Flesh did not die for your salvation. Jesus did. You don't owe a debt to your flesh. Quit serving it. Quit serving it. You owe it no debt. You owe it nothing. You owe your flesh nothing. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Say, I owe nothing to my flesh. Why? It did nothing to redeem you. did nothing to free you. Notice this. For if you live according again to the flesh, what will happen? Does anybody got any idea picking up on what he's trying to explain to you here? Flesh, spirit, spirit, flesh. Which are you focused on? Which do you want to walk in? Over and over. If you live according to the flesh, what will happen? What will happen? Verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, what will happen? But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will do what? So it's almost identical what he said earlier. If you're carnally minded, you're going to identify with the flesh. What's the actual result of that? Death. Separation from what? Life. Zoe life. Same thing here. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to do what? Be separated from that Zoe life. But what if you live by the Spirit? You put to death the deeds of the body and you're going to do what? In other words, putting to death the deeds of the body means my flesh doesn't rule me. The Spirit rules me. And because the Spirit rules me, what do I live in? Zoe. Away. Say the choice is up to me. We got more verses to cover, but I'm out of time. I want you to understand and go back and keep reading these chapters. Uh, keep reading this chapter, reading the first half of this chapter, at least down to verse 17 over and over and over again, and understand Romans 8, 1 through 17 is one of the most instrumental, powerful, significant keys to understanding how to live a life of Zoe or to live a life separated from Zoe. Separated from Zoe, no peace, no joy. Only when things go right. Only when things work out the way you want. You listening? You live carnal, the only time you're going to have any kind of joy, any kind of peace, any kind of excitement about life is when everything goes the way your flesh wants. Everybody treats you the way you want to be treated. They don't say any ouchy words. They love you. They, they just pat on you like you're just something really special and they never do anything harmful to you. Let me help you, honey. You are living in a fallen world. Step out the door. You got sinners and carnal people around you all over the place. You are not going to live on this planet with everybody just loving on you and thinking you're somebody great and somebody just hung the moon. You know why? They're sinners. And sadly, a lot of Christians are carnal. If they're carnal, guess what they're not doing? They ain't seeing you for what you really are. But that don't mean you can't see them for what they really are. But you just don't know what people do to me. Carnal. But they just hurt my feeling. Carnal. You're just telling me what you're focused on. You're focused on your carnal nature. But it wasn't fair. Carnal. Wasn't fair for Jesus to be crucified either. Wasn't fair for Jesus to bear all our sin. Wasn't fair for Jesus to bear all our punishment. You better say some amens before I get done preaching or I'm going to have to go further. It wasn't fair for anything he went through. Was it? But guess what he didn't? He didn't utter a word. And the only thing he said at the end of his life, forgive him, Father. Huh? Forgive him. 
When's the last time somebody ran a, a spike to your feet? When's this last time somebody ran spikes to your wrists? Hung you up in the air. Of all that we know of the history of this world, truly the Romans wanted to come up with the most excruciating, horrible ways to die. This was their ultimate form of punishment. Well, I could think of others. No, you couldn't because you sit there for hours on that cross trying to breathe. And just imagine the pain and the suffering that you're going through in your body. Doctors will tell you, you ever go read about a doctor that studied crucifixion? They agree. It was truly the most horrendous, harsh form of punishment you could put anybody through for hours hanging on that cross. Nothing worse. You know what would be a whole lot easier? Just get it over with. They didn't want it to get it over with. They wanted you to suffer. Did he deserve that? Nope, we did. And you're going to get all upset about what you don't or do deserve? Well, I don't deserve the way they treated me. Nobody said you deserved it. Nobody said that. But when you walk in the spirit, you don't care. You know why? You don't, you're not caught up with the flesh. You know what gets offended? Your flesh does. Your spirit doesn't. Show me one time Jesus got offended. Please show me one time Jesus ever got offended. Jesus never did. Why? He walked in the relationship to his spirit. He didn't walk in the flesh. Even the disciples learned. Folks, we got a choice. We're going to learn more about this Sunday. What's your mindset on? What's your mindset on? We're going to talk about how you deal with that. Because those whose mind is set on the things of the Spirit, guess what they do? They fear God. They have a great reverence and respect and honor and submission for God. You know why? They're not carnally ruled. It's not hard to submit to God when you're not carnally ruled. You know why it's hard to submit to God? Because you're not obviously spiritually ruled. Some of you will get that next week. That's a powerful truth right there. Why is it so hard to submit to God? Because you are not focused on the things of the Spirit. When you're focused on the things of the flesh, it's hard to submit to God. Why? Because the flesh is enmity against God. It's at war with God. It don't want to submit to God. Everything about your life that you think is hard to submit to God to do, I'm going to tell you why. Because you're focused on the flesh. You focus on the Spirit, it don't get hard to submit to God. Reverence in that, that aspect of fear is just a part of it. And guess what he gets? Guidance from God. Guess what he gets? Prosperity. Guess what he gets? Revelation of his inheritance. And the secret things of God that other people just can't seem to get a hold of. Not like secret, I'm hiding it from anybody. No, they just don't understand it. Why? You can't understand the things of the Spirit with your carnal nature. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.